Hey, I just want to tell you, thank you for being here. This is kind of fun for me to be able to see your faces, or half of your faces for some of you. Uh, I am uh, I'm thrilled to be with you. Uh, I'm thrilled that uh, God is taking us on a journey together. Uh, I just am praying like you that he would be the center of that journey, and that uh, a few weeks ago you sat in church uh, and you said uh, as, a, as a response to prayer, not your will but mine. Uh, and if you were here in that Sunday, it was Wayne's last message, uh, here's what you remember, here's what we should know. That's a dangerous prayer, isn't it? To say, God, not your will but mine, because one of the guys that prayed it actually got crucified, um, if you remember the story. And so when we pray that, God hears that. He always says yes to that prayer. And uh, I want to just say a couple things before we get into the message. First of all, uh, if you're a parent and you've got kids here and they make noise, I don't care. Whenever there is a, a, a baby making noise in church, that means a mom's in church. And how many of us are for moms being in church? Amen, right? We're for that. And so that's good. Don't you worry about it. Um, now, if they heckle me, that's a different story, okay? Um, here's what I want to do is I want to just tell you a little bit about myself, introduce myself so you know who this crazy guy is that's standing in front of you and, and what I actually get to do when I'm not here. Um, I met Christ in July of 1966, so it's been a couple years. Uh, there was a church um, called Grace Bible Church. It's on Hazel Avenue. Before it was Grace Bible Church, it was Hazel Avenue Baptist Church, and that's the church I met Jesus in. It was in a little room, and a man named Roy Clark, not from Hee Haw, picking and grinning guy, he told me about Jesus, and he said, Listen, Leonard, if you will ask Jesus into your life and to forgive your sins, your whole life will be different. And at that age, I didn't know what sins I had, but I knew he was telling the truth. And so I committed my life to follow Jesus. The next day, I knocked on my neighbor's door and I said, Listen, everything I heard about Jesus this last week in vacation Bible school, if it's true, you've got to know Jesus because he's the best. I, got, I just can't even tell you. He's amazing because I know what he did for me, little toe-headed boy, right? And my whole life has been in that trajectory. I knew I was called to ministry from that moment on. Uh, when I went into high school, uh, I, was at, I spent uh, several years at Hazel Avenue Christian Academy, then Victory Christian School, and uh, I just knew God had called me to ministry. And so between my freshman and sophomore year, I went to my mom and I said, Mom, I can no longer be at Victory because everybody at Victory knows Jesus and they're not excited about it. I want to go someplace where nobody knows Jesus and I can be excited about it. And so I went to Bella Vista High School. I graduated from there. And while in the three years I was at Bella Vista High School, the Lord just honed in this thought that the role of every follower of Jesus is to make disciples. Would you agree with that? That's uh, kind of what Jesus left us with, right? Make some disciples. And so I did. And I got to see about 100 of my friends meet Jesus. And uh, everyone that did, uh, I worked all the time. I worked in cabinet shops. Stuart. Uh, I worked uh, in construction from the time I was a small boy because all my family was in that. And uh, I bought Bibles for every one of them. And uh, we bought NIVs because that, that was the controversy back then. Uh, NIV, that's not King James or New American Standard. It's amazing the stuff that Christians fight over, isn't it? And so we bought them all NIVs and New Living Translations or New Living Bible. They didn't even have a New Living Translation back then. And I taught them all how to read it. I taught them all how to pray, and they all started coming to my church. It was a little Baptist church uh, on, um, on uh, Old Auburn Road called Pioneer Baptist Church. 
uh, if you're familiar with that, that started in my grandfather's home as a prayer meeting for missions. And uh, that church, uh, I became a youth director when I was 17, and I've just stayed in ministry ever since. Uh, what you do back in those days when you go into ministry, you go to Bible college. So I went to Bible college. And I got to tell you what, all my dyslexia, all my learning dysfunctions kicked in full speed. And I just, I almost flunked out of high school, and so I did flunk out of college. And later on, I just stayed in ministry, and later on, God let me come back and get some other education. Um, and so uh, I finished my master's, and then I'm this far from finishing my doctorate in leadership, in transformational leadership. Um, but here's what, here's what I believe. I believe that our best days are in front of us. Would you agree with that? I believe that, that God has something special for the church. I want you to know that I'm a little bit crazy at times. I say things that are a, a little bit blunt. I don't mean to be. And when I say them, please don't personalize them. You have to know that right now I lead a ministry that has taken me to serve people from almost 120 countries on six different continents of the world in the last nine years. I've trained face-to-face -face more than 25,000 pastors and leaders that represent about 40,000 churches. What we've trained them to do has gone to more than 75,000 pastors and leaders that represent almost 100,000 churches, which has influenced about 10 million people with the gospel. And so I study all the time churches and how churches work and ministries and, and such. And so I'm excited to be with you but you just need to know that sometimes my filter is broken. And I'm just going to ask for some grace to start with, if, if you would be willing to give that to me. Uh, and just know that sometimes I th say things that I'm not actually aiming them at anybody here. They're just general. I have surveyed thousands and thousands of pastors personally to ask them, tell me about your church. Tell me about what you do. Tell me how it's working. Tell me what's going on. And... Some of my statements, some of my conclusions come from that information. All of them come from the scriptures, if that's okay with you. Uh, I'm a student of the Bible. I love the Bible. It's changed me forever. When I was 13 years old, uh, I was on the edge. I grew up in a home that was pretty, they just got off to a really bad start. Alcoholic father who eventually took his life, abusive people, all kinds of things. You don't need to know the whole story. And when I was 13 years old, I was on the edge. I was literally on the edge of, of saying, I could go this way or I could go this way. And when I was on that edge, the Holy Spirit just spoke to my heart gently and said, if you go down that road, Leonard, you're going to miss out on all the good stuff I've planned for you. Two days later, a man came to me and he said, Leonard, I have a dare for you. Now, dare 13-year-old Leonard to do anything? It's done. <laughs> right? Now, you got to, uh, this age, Leonard... Uh, you're going to have to sh put some cash on it. But 13-year-old Leonard, just do it. And I did. And so I, he says, here's my dare for you. I dare you to take this. And he handed me my little King James Red Version Bible, right? He says, I dare you to read this for an hour a day for 365 days. And I went home and I got my mom's egg timer. You remember those little digital ones? You tie, tick, 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 ding. And for one hour a day for 365 days, I read that book. And it changed me. It healed me. It transformed me. It transformed the way I think. transformed the way I saw in people. It transformed how I love people. It changed everything about my life. That's the power of the Word of God. I began to do other kinds of study in the Word. When, when all my friends were reading Moby Dick, Grapes of Wrath, all those books, 
I was taking my book reports out of the TV guide and reading my Bible. I just didn't have any desire to do anything but study that. And so that's where I come from. Uh, and so as we head down this road, I just want you to know um, what you're getting when uh, I come here and when I stand here. Uh, I have one other passion, and you just have to know this is true. I love the church. Jesus loves the church. What he did for the church he didn't, is, is amazing. I love the church. The church is beautiful. She goes where no one goes. She loves who no one loves. She says what no one says to people who are not always grateful. And she carries the life-changing message of Jesus Christ to the world. And I come from that perspective. And so if you're okay with me loving the scriptures, loving the church, and loving you, then we're going to have a fun time. But I'm going to need grace. I can just tell you that right now, straight up. I'm going to need a lot of grace as we walk down this road together. I'm a little bit passionate, in case you couldn't tell. Uh, that's my leadership style. I lead from passion. Uh, I don't let a lot of moss grow under me. I like to go and do things. And so um, I'll try not to go too fast. So I want you to take your Bible, if you would. And I want you to go to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to take over the next several uh, couple months, and we're going to study the Sermon on the Mount. But as we study the Sermon on the Mount, I'm going to do something. I want to start at the end, if that's okay with you. Because I think sometimes uh, you have to start with the end in mind. Here's what I learned uh, building houses and doing cabinetry. You always start with the end in mind. You start with what you know it's going to look like, where it's going to fit, what the function of it is going to be, and then you take a blueprint or a printout or uh, some kind of a, 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 a design and you build from there. When Jesus came to the earth, not all of his messages got titles. Not all of the things he said got titles, but some of them did. And this is one of the big ones. It's the Sermon on the... We know it, right? This message got a title. It's one of the most preached sermons, most read sermons in church history in the last 2,000 years. And I want us to go to the very end to start with what Jesus had in mind. We're going to begin with the end in mind. And that's actually the process we're going to take as a church. We're going to figure out where we want to go, what we want to be, who we want to be, and start with that in mind and then begin to work our way backwards to say, God, what would you ask of me? Not your will, or not my will, but yours, right? And so that's where we're headed. So let's just take that, that text. Uh, we're going to read in verse 24 of Matthew 7. And I'm going to try and read this without my glasses. I may succeed or I may not. Everyone who then hears these words of mine and does them. Now this is Jesus talking, right? He's summarizing his sermon on the... Yes, and so he's actually saying, this is, this is what I was getting at. This is, what I, this is what I want you to do. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, but it did not fall. Can I ask you a question? Does you, do you feel the wind in our culture today? Do you feel it? Do you feel the storm? It's here. Now, this is not, this is not just uh, hyperbolic or hyperbole or an illustration for what life is like. This, is, this was actually happening then, too. Jesus is speaking these words to people who had seen 30,000 of their friends in the previous years hanging on Roman crosses, dotting the roads. 
of Palestine. It was a people who were overtaxed, unappreciated, and marginalized. The majority of them were poor. There was a religious elite who held all the power, and they were underneath the Roman governor. And so there was always this conflict, and there was always this tension that Rome was going to bring in soldiers. In fact, if you study the history in this time, Rome brought in soldiers and tried to kill them many times, and they couldn't extinguish what God was doing. And don't we land on that confidence? God's doing something that cannot be stopped because he builds it. It's his church, right? And so Jesus is speaking to a group of people like that. And he says, listen, whoever hears these words and does them, he's like this. He's like, or she, is like a person who is going to build a house, who starts with the end in mind, right? And says, this is what I'm going to build. And in order for it to be successful, I'm going to have to do some heavy lifting. I'm going to have to do some digging. I'm going to have to do some hard work. We stand outside or sit outside of a building that represents many of you already know that. We sit in a church that many already know that it takes a lot of work to put together a church. And thank you for that. So grateful for that. And here's what God is saying through Jesus. He's saying, listen, the rain's coming and the floods come and the winds blow and they beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been built on a rock. What a great, what a great song to sing for us. Christ alone, cornerstone. My hope is built on nothing less. What an amazing, amazing, thank you for that. Thank you for leading us there. And then he goes on and he says this. And everyone who hears these words of mine, but does not do them, is going to be like a foolish builder who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew, and they beat against that house and it fell. And great was the calamity around it. And when he finished these words, the crowds were astonished. I just pause for a moment. Don't you think we need some astonishment at the words of Jesus again? Not doing devotions, but actually coming back and reading and going, oh my God, and meaning it. A, not, not a statement of, of, of surprise, but a statement of, embracing oh my god this is what you've said that's where we got to be for god to continue this process everyone who heard these words <laughs> were astonished because he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as scribes would it be okay if i if i just put my own translation in there Jesus was talking like he actually wrote the words. Right? What authority. What power. What an amazing God we have. And we get our source straight from that. And aren't you grateful? I want to make a few observations from the life of Jesus this morning. We're, 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 we're living in a time in which our problems are common. The issues are common. Somebody said to me last week, um, they called me and said, Pastor Leonard, I'm worried. I think the world's falling apart. And I said, well, duh. But 
They, and then they quoted, and as it was in the days of Noah, it will be in that time. You guys heard that before? This is nothing like the days of Noah, by the way. Because in the days of Noah, here's what it says. Every inclination of a man's heart was evil. We're not there. That's not true of our world. That's just true of what they print and what they tell us. I, every day I run across people who are amazing followers and friends of Jesus who are doing great things. God has more than a billion people in this world whose hearts are not turned to evil. We, we, we are entering closer to the time of Jesus' return, but not because of COVID or because of a government issue, just because time keeps ticking, right? And we have time to do what God wants us to do and be who God wants us to be and live into that. Every inclination of our hearts is not towards evil. We're not living in that time, but we are living in difficult times. Here's how, here's how one of the writers of the New Testament said, There is no temptation or struggle that has come upon you that isn't, you know that word? Common. We live in a world where the problems are common. I know a lot of people who are struggling with health. I know a lot of people who are struggling with resources. I know a lot of people who are struggling with finances and who are struggling with their families, who are struggling with just their own anxieties, who are struggling to figure out how do we make sense. These are common things. And by the way, you know Jesus and the people who don't know Jesus are struggling with the same things. We live in a common world. And Jesus enters the scene and he begins to preach a message that says, I want to tell you about something that's uncommon. A different way to see things. A different kingdom. A different mindset that is uncommon because our common approach to common problems will not solve them. We've heard that saying, if you always do what you've always done, you always get what you've always got. It's not true. You always get less than you've got. Because the laws of entropy, the laws of decline, will always take us down. And God, through Jesus, enters the scene and he says, Listen, I want to talk to you about a kingdom that's uncommon. It's not like the world around you. It's not like what you've experienced. It's not, it's different. It's different from the law. It's different from your heritage. It's different. And Jesus comes in and he says, Whoever hears my words about this kingdom, whoever hears my words and does them about this kingdom, this uncommon way of thinking, this uncommon way of living, I'll tell you what he's like. He's like a builder who said, I know what I want to build, and so I'm going to do what it takes to build it firm and strong. I'm going to dig deep and build a foundation, and it's going to stand We want to be the kind of people who sit in a world who say, what we've built is strong. What we've built here at East Parkway is strong. What we've built in our lives is strong. What we've built in our families is strong. Because there are enough people in this world who didn't build something strong who are going to be knocking on our door going, could I have some shelter? Could I have some space? Could you help me out? And we have an opportunity like never before to live an uncommon life and tell them about Jesus. In case you didn't gather this, I'm all about that. I'm all about that.
So I want to just make a few observations from this text. Our foundation is linked to his words. Whoever hears my words and does that. Whoever hears my words. Now, can I tell you something? This, he's not referring to the Bible, but he includes the Bible. His words are written here, so it includes the scriptures. Jesus is actually not referring to the Bible text, as we do. He's referring to what he's actually saying. I'm telling you about this uncommon life, this uncommon world, this uncommon uh, way of living where, where the poor are blessed and where, where uh, mourn, mourning people are comforted, and we're going to look through that over the next several months. That's what he's referring to. He's literally referring to what he just said. Whoever hears what I just said to you, I'll tell you, tell you what he's like. Our foundation is linked to what Jesus is going to tell us from this sermon on the mount. The kind of lives we build, but we got to build it with the end in mind. Can I be a little blunt for a second? I got the microphone, of course I can. If we live in survival mode as people, as churches, or as Christians, we're not building with the end in mind. We're building with ourselves in mind. I want to survive. I need to get through. I need to make sure that I have enough today to get through. We want to build with the end in mind of what God wants for his church, what God wants for his people. Let's put that in our minds. We're going to talk a lot about that because he actually explains what that is in chapter 5. Let's keep going here. We, our foundation is directly linked to the words of Jesus. I have an assignment for you. Would you read the Sermon on the Mount every day this week? It's just three chapters. Would you just read it every day this week and ask yourself this question? What are you really saying? Now, you've, you, you've been taught this. You've studied it. Some of you have actually taught it yourself. Uh, here's, what, here's what I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you to hit the eject button on all that for just a little bit and just read it saying, Jesus, what do you want to build? Tell me about it. I'm listening, not my will, but yours. I'm just listening, Jesus. Whatever you want, the answer is yes. I don't, I don't have a no for you, Jesus. The answer is yes. It doesn't. Once you say that, everything else is logistics, right? And so our foundation, East Parkway's foundation, is with the end in mind. And it's linked directly to Jesus' words. That's why we started with Jesus' words. Here's, here's the next one. Hearing is not enough. Hearing is not enough. We can't just hear and go, oh, man, that was so good. What a message. Thank you. We can't just sit in Bible study, go online, read a devotion. Oh, that was so good. You nudged me enough. You fed me enough. You fueled me enough that I think I can get through today. He says you've got to do something with it. You've got to act on it. You've got to live it out. You've got to take it in and say, now what does this look like with skin? How am I going to do this? How am I going to love my neighbor practically? What am I going to do? When this whole coronavirus thing started to land on us, I sat down with my wife, and Marilee and I sat down together. And I said, let's, let's decide something. That when this is all done, let's decide the kind of people we want to be 
when it's over. And we said, there's three words that we want to define us in our, our journey through corona virus. I didn't want to start rumors. Here's what we said. We want to be more generous than we were starting. So we began to say, God, how would you, how would you let us find people to give to? How would you let us make uh, other people around us feel blessed in a time when they feel robbed? And so we found ways to be generous. We made food for people. We sealed it and vacuum packed it so they could feel safe with it. We, my wife works at Starbucks and she brings home tons and tons of coffee. And so we, all of my neighbors got coffee because they couldn't go out and do it. We found ways to just be generous. We found people who had needs. And we said, listen, whatever we can, whatever we can spare, whatever we, let's go give it to them. We want to be generous. Here's the second thing we wanted to be. We didn't want to just be generous. We wanted to be filled with hope. And we wanted God to make us more empathetic, more empathetic to others. Those were the three things, generosity, hope, and empathy. And in order to do that, we had to choose what words we would hear and how we would live. We had to actually act on it. And that's what Jesus is saying. If you really want to, to build a foundation, you got to hear, but it's so much more than hearing. I'm parked right over there, and that's how far it takes me to forget what Jesus said. We're not much different, are we? I can say, oh, I'm convicted. Then I go home, and here's what I think. This afternoon, i got to drive to Medford, Oregon. I got a bunch of meetings there this week. And, and I, I got to get my bag packed. I got I to get all, I can shift my mind so quickly that I forget to do what Jesus says. I felt it. Isn't that enough? In fact, pastors are often measured by how they make you feel, not by what they get you to do. In fact, when they start pushing to get you to do something, that's when people get mad. Right? I know. I've been doing it a long time. I've had people mad at me for that. Jesus said, listen, once you have the end in mind, once you understand, <laughs> I want you to hear what I'm saying, and then I want you to do something with it. This week, I'm asking you to do something. Would you take the Sermon on the Mount and read it every day? Read it a couple times if you want. Read it ten times if you want. But we're going to walk through that in detail over the next few months, and I'm asking you to read it, but I'm asking you to do something else. I'm asking you to share it with somebody. I'm asking you to put some skin on and say, wait a minute, blessed are the poor in spirit. Do I know anybody who's struggling in their spirit? Because they're not far from the kingdom of God then, are they? I have an opportunity to love somebody right at a point. Blessed are those who mourn, because they will find comfort. I've got an opportunity to walk in and not fix somebody, but just be present with God's presence in their life and hold them. I was at a funeral yesterday. My cousin was tragically injured and died a few weeks ago. And I spent six hours in the sun at a funeral outside just simply holding my cousins and loving on them. Didn't have any answers. Didn't have any reasons. Just there. That's living it out. That's doing something with it. 
So our foundation is linked to his words, but hearing is not enough. Can I give you another one? The issue is not the storm, but the foundation. In this story, the issue is not the storm. Both people face a storm. The wise builder, the foolish builder, they both face winds. There's a preacher out of Florida who always said this, whenever, whenever a pagan gets cancer, a Christian gets cancer, to show them the foundation. Whenever a pagan loses their home, a Christian loses their home, to show them the foundation. The issue here in Jesus' words is not the storm. It's the foundation. Can I encourage you with that? The issue here in this church is not the transition. It's the foundation. The issue here in our lives, COVID's not the issue. Politics, race, those aren't the issue. The issue is the foundation. And where are we going to stand? And what kind of people are we going to be with the end in mind? Are we going to be more generous? Are we going to be more hopeful? Are we going to be more empathetic? What are you going to fuel in your life? The issue is not, the issue is not the storm. It is the foundation. And so I want to encourage you to come with me and let's build an amazing foundation for East Parkway. Let's build an amazing foundation for our lives. Let's build an amazing foundation everywhere we go because everywhere we go, there's wind. I was, uh, I was uh, reading about David and Goliath. That's how we label the story, right? But it's actually not about Goliath. It's about David and Saul. You see, there's Goliaths everywhere. There's always going to be a Goliath. Always going to be a Goliath. And the, because we have the whole story, the conclusion is already settled. We know he's going to get his head lopped off. He's going to get hit with a stone. It's going to be done. We already know the outcome. In Matthew 16, Jesus said, I will build my... We already know the outcome. We already know Goliath's going to fall. But what kind of people will we be? Will we be? Will we be Saul who fuels his fear and fuels his people with fear? Or will we be David who says, hey, you know what? I'm going out there. I got, he was never in doubt. He wasn't going, I hope this works. He was going, oh, yeah, you're going down. In fact, I got some stones for your brothers too, pal. And what did he say when he entered the field? I'm going to cut off your head. You're going to be dead in a few minutes. Wow. And why did he do it? Because he knew his foundation. He knew who he was. And he knew why he was there. Do we know that? Do we know who we are? Do we know why? Because that leads me to my last point. What we are building is greater than we know. What we are building is greater than we know. When Jesus came to the earth, he didn't come to start a church. He came to start a movement that would be called the church. He didn't say, listen, I want to start First Baptist Church in Orangevale or Second Presbyterian Church in Fair Oaks. He, he wasn't thinking that way. He was thinking, how do I start a movement that would take my son and the message of my son to the world? How am I going to do that? And everything Jesus speaks about in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 and all through the Gospels is not about me, but about the church he's building. And we have to see it that way because if we don't, we will make faith about us and not about the kingdom. 
and not about the people around us and not about what God wants to do in the world around us and about how we take our place in that mission. I grew up in uh, doing student ministry forever. As I did student ministry, I remember, um, I remember saying these words more than once to students. You've got to find your purpose. You ever hear that? You need to find your purpose. I was wrong. You don't have a purpose and neither do I. When we follow Jesus, he has a purpose. And I attach my life to that purpose. Because you see, when I have a purpose, I am the end. I got to find my purpose. I'm the end of the, once I found it, I'm there. To attach myself to Jesus' purpose, I am now a means to the end. And all of Christianity is a means to God's end, to what he's building. So this week, can we be praying for this church that we would not be the end, but the means to God's end in Granite Bay, Fair Oaks, Citrus Heights, Roseville, Rockland, wherever, in this greater valley, in the world, how do we become the means to God's end? God's doing something greater than we know here. He's doing something greater than we know. And our task as we look at the word of God is to build with the end in mind and recognize this is really not about East Parkway Church. It's not about Leonard Lee. It's about the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the one who is dead and now lives, whose hair is white and wooly, whose, whose eyes are fire, tongues are sword, feet are bronze. That Jesus, the one who is dead and now lives, that's about him and what he wants done. And we will become a means to his end. Are you with me? I think we can do that by the grace of God. I want to say one last thing and then I'm going to pray. A few years ago, I was in Cambodia. And they said, we're going to go to church. I said, that's going to be fun. And you get to share. I said, oh, that's going to be so fun. So we went to, we went to church. We drove for about an hour. We drove through these fields. And I have no idea. I could never get there again unless somebody drove me. And it was 98 degrees, humid, Oh. It was everything that you don't want to be out here, right? This is beautiful. And we walked almost a mile, and there was one single tree in a field. And we walked and we sat under that tree. And we sang. And we opened the Word. And we prayed together. Because Jesus built His church. You don't have to have this. We're grateful we do. You can sit outside. You can sit under a tree. You could sit in your living room. It doesn't matter. Because Jesus builds his church. God taught me something that day. He taught me that unless you're willing to accept humble circumstances, you're not fit for greater these people were transforming villages. And they didn't gather because it was their right. They gathered because it was where they found the strength to go make disciples. That's what we want this church to be. People who gather so that when we leave here, we enter a mission field 
and we have the strength to make disciples everywhere we go because that's what Jesus said to do. Are you with me? Let's do that together, but before we do, can we pray? And if you'll just come and lead us in another song, and uh, then we'll do our closing. Father, in Jesus' name we come. There is no nobility in our attendance at church. We come because we're desperate, not because we're noble. We don't love you because we're noble. We love you because we are loved by you. And we don't serve you because we're noble. We serve you because you have served us so well. Today, God, let us continue to build on a foundation that's here. Let us continue to build a, a church that stands storms, but not a church, but to help this church take a part in a movement that you started 2,000 years ago, where you said you will build your church. Do what you want to do with us. We say not our will, but yours. To the glory of God, in Jesus' name, amen.